RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, friends, and welcome back to a special episode of Red Pill News Live. Today, I'm joined by my friend and compatriot, BioClandestine. Now, this past Friday, I had Dr. Andrew Huff on the program, and many of you were upset that Bio couldn't be here at the same time to kind of go head to head with Andrew. So I figured, what's the best possible solution to have Jacob here on the show so that he can present his ideas and rebut perhaps some of the things that Andrew put out there. Obviously, we've got people with competing ideas, competing theories, and I'm not necessarily about confrontation. I am about the presentation of the best quality information. So that's hopefully why you're here tonight as well. Jacob and I will be right back in a brief moment, but if you wouldn't mind, please... If you're over there on Rumble, hit that like button. If you're over there on the foxhole, hit that red pill. If you're on Getter, just tap the screen and it gives you likes. Same if you're over there on Twitter as well. All right, guys. Please, without further ado, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and I'll be right back with BioClandestine after this. So, Jacob, I just realized that uh, I had set things up a little differently than I had initially anticipated, but that's fine. So give me two seconds here, and I just need to get the correct rumble chat on screen, and we should, okay, actually... We are good to go. All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining us. It's myself and my good friend, BioClandestine. What's up, brother? How you been? Zach, my friend, doing well. I really, really want to appreciate and say thanks to him, for you having me on. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, we've been friends for a very long time. I, I've always enjoyed the conversations that we have. I think you've got a brilliant mind, and you've caught on to some things that uh, have really been a zeitgeist in the national conversation in the last year or two. So let's get right into it. First of all, let me say this. Uh, what I think a lot of people don't realize, because I saw some angry responses on Twitter after the show was announced on Friday, uh, is that when I have somebody on the show uh, for a weekend show, uh, it's generally something that I have scheduled probably a couple of months in advance. And, uh, you know, with Andrew, I have actually been trying to get him on the show for a lot longer than that, just because uh, I had had him come up on my radar much earlier than that. Uh, when I do a show on a weekday, something like this, it's a little bit more impromptu. It allows me to get somebody here quickly, uh, especially if we've got something that's timely, such as the conversation we're going to have tonight. Um, so I also have no control over what my guests are going to do or say online in the days or hours sometimes before we show up to do the live stream. So 
uh, you know, I thought it was unfortunate what happened on Twitter and uh, the sort of direction that the conversation went. Um, but uh, I gave uh, BioClandestine here the opportunity to join us in the call-in portion in the second hour of the show, just in case he had anything he wanted to address. And he said, you know what, I am too much of a gentleman. I don't want to ruin your show. So why don't we go ahead and just do it on a separate day? And I said, that's an excellent idea. So here we are, and uh, I'd like to get right into it. So um, from your perspective, uh, what was the nature of the argument that took place on uh, on Twitter? Yeah, sure. So it really, uh, I reached out to him. I followed him uh, a couple months back, and I reached out to him on February 7th because he was actually reached out to by the Russian government pertaining to his uh, information that he was putting out and seeing if that could help with their investigation into the biolabs in Ukraine, and he declined. So I reached out, and I was like, hey, man, what information can you give me? Like, anything you need help from me? Like, we're all in this, you know, to figure out the truth and hold these people accountable so we can stop being in a biomedical police state. You know, if you need any help, I'm here to help you. He didn't respond. That's fine. Um, And then he reached out to me on i don't know which day it was it was right around when the doe put out the information pertaining to uh the lab leak theory being their main or i guess low confidence but most confident of the theories um i said that in response to elon being reached out to by the ccp about them being upset about him what did he do specifically they they basically told him don't bite the hand that feeds you because china and tesla have such an integral business relationship together Gotcha. And then yeah. I said, I was like, well, they also might be mad because maybe they don't like the fact that everyone has jumped on and latched onto this narrative that China is the sole responsible entity behind this entire um, invention or creation or engineering of SARS-CoV-2. So I said, hey, there's you know some evidence to suggest that Ukraine and the biological research going on in Ukraine via Labyrinth, uh, Global Health Alliance, Metabiota, um, uh, Battelle, all the stuff that was going on in Ukraine – that it played a role in what was going on in Wuhan via pathogen trafficking. And Huff jumped into my comments, said, none of that's true, yada, 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 and said, hey, I want the proof. So I started gathering all the proof, and I come back, and and I've been blocked by Dr. Andrew Huff. So I said, all right, I'll just, you know, I'll let this go, and he can do what he wants, he can believe what he wants, and we'll just both seek out the truth and do what we got to do. But then he went on and said that I was op four, and he accused me of being a foreign agent, mm. conducting a psyop on the American people with intent to in, to deceive them. Um, about the origins of SARS-CoV-2. Now, I, I can see how that would upset you. That's understandable. Yes. Yeah. And for everyone who knows me, I'm one of the nicest people on the planet. I don't mess with anybody. But if you cross me, you're going to pay the consequences, especially if you're wrong. So so we're going to go ahead and get into Dr. Huff's argument, and we're going to break that down. I want to break down that piece by piece, okay. some of the things that he said on your show to kind of counteract Um So, yeah, the first thing I want to address is is a quote on your show the other day. He said, and I quote, when you write a book, I could get sued. So when it comes to that part in the book about it being intentional or not, I'm kind of gray about it now. So my proposal is if you are unsure as to what's happening, perhaps we should wait to be, you know, writing books and doing book deals and and, you know, movie deals, which he said that he got a movie deal for the book as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so he, he actually – I can show you the tweet. He put it out. Um, so he got a book deal, movie deal. So he has all these um, conflicts of interest pertaining to everyone making sure that all the focus stays on China. Um, and then he said, and I quote, the facts that go against it being intentional is that typically you don't have the release of the biological agent unless you have the medical countermeasures on hand. 
The Chinese didn't have a medical countermeasure. That's the first rule of biowarfare. That's usually why you develop the agent and the countermeasure together. So my reasoning behind that, or I guess my angle on that, is why are we assuming that China are the ones that created the biological weapon or the agent, uh, as he says, if they didn't have the countermeasures on hand? Why are we just going to assume that China are the ones responsible? Because who did have the or the, uh, the medical countermeasures on hand? Big Pharma? Sure. The Western oligarchs, they had all this stuff ready to go. They were researching it in Ukraine. We saw from the um, the grants gifted to Labyrinthink, they were studying on bat biology for nine years before 2015. Like it, They've been doing this for a long time. So if we want to go by Dr. Huff's logic that those who create the agent and the uh, countermeasures together, the evidence starts to point towards the United States. And there's well, one more quote I want to go, go ahead. Let me just interject there because one thing that that I thought at the time, but you know, we were just he was going through on his points. But mm-hmm. uh, you know what, what what occurred to me is that th- this is not a biological agent of sufficient severity to necessitate uh, remediational uh, efforts once you release it. I mean, because it's essentially going to uh, allow every single person who contracts it to survive. I mean, definitely it made people sick, uh, but it wasn't like the world-ending virus that we were initially led uh, to believe that it was. Um, So to me, you know, just the idea that it would necessitate that, just that kind of falls flat from where I stand. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And also there's this there's this uh, narrative that all bioweapons have to be designed to kill as many people as possible. And a lot of people don't grasp the concept that not all weapons are designed to kill. This one was designed for control. They want to make sure everybody gets it just so they can get the vaccines. Yep. They don't want to kill their peons. They want us to keep working and be their slaves. They don't want all of us to die. Um, so not all bioweapons are designed to kill. Yes. Incapacitation is uh, is a real thing. And, you know, th- we actually spoke about this over the weekend, too. What, one important distinction that I, I think often gets overlooked here is that, you know, th- the CCP, China, the country China is not like this monolithic thing in the same way that the United States isn't like this monolithic structure. You know, we have the mm-hmm. deep state, we say, you know, there are elements of the deep state within the United States government, but there are also good men and women. There are patriots that are working in the federal government. You know, there's so many agencies. There is so many opportunities for people to be involved for the right reasons. And I think that the same holds true in China. You probably have, you know, the Chinese deep state, the equivalent of it. And then you have the Chinese people. And then you have these elements working within the CCP and the PLA that are working to perhaps bring China forward into the 21st century to be kind of a a global nation that doesn't necessarily have to conquer everything, but still has the best interests of their people at heart in the same way that Russia does and in the same way that the United States does. Yeah, of course. Um, So when we say things like, you know, China has their deep state and the United States has theirs, that's definitely a a significant variable that we have to consider when when looking into all this. But the the issue I have with Dr. Andrew Huff's argument is his willingness to obfuscate and or dismiss a lot of what the United States has done and focus mm. mostly on China. Sure. Um, and, and that's where I'm starting to get a little bit concerned is like when who decided that China was the only or the CCP or however you'd like to label it were the only ones responsible mm-hmm. because this narrative is being pushed out of nowhere by FBI director Christopher Ray and the mainstream media. So, you know, I think thinking, there's something to be said for the 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 pattern of events that led to 
the release of this pathogen, no matter how it happened, whether it was intentional or if it was accidental. I mean, I, I think that it's undeniable that if it wasn't for the United States' funding of this gain-of-function research and its evolution from where it began in the United States uh, to where it ended up in Wuhan, and it looks like where it also made a, a pit stop over in Ukraine, I mean, it wouldn't have happened at all. There there, there would be no COVID-19. There would be no pandemic, uh, and there would be no opportunity for Moderna to pass in the genome and throw it into the database, you know? I mean, this yeah. is a lot of American interests here. Yeah, and the entire ideology behind gain-of-function research, direction-to-evolution research, however you want to label it, um, is to develop these vaccines ahead of any pathogens that might um, mutate in in nature. Sure. So the whole, the whole point of our biological network is to have these vaccines on hand, and they're supposed to work. They're supposed to prevent transmission. Mm-hmm. So not only did we create the virus that they said they were defending us from, it got out, and the vaccines they were supposed to have for the viruses that they knew about still didn't work. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not only did you not do your job, you made it 10 times worse and then didn't do your job on top of the, the problem that you made. So we have to reconsider the entire makeup, ideology, everything to do with bioethics globally. Because sure. I don't know about you, but I'm not really a big fan of what happened in 2019 and the outcome that it had on um, the general population as opposed to the 1% who just continue to get richer and we keep getting poorer and losing liberty. So certainly. So, yeah, I think I speak for most Americans when I say that all biological activity needs to be investigated by the United States, uh, regardless of what role that China played. So I'm not saying that China didn't play a role. I think they might have. But I know for absolute fact that the United States did. So anyone that's trying to muddy up their involvement in it, I have questions. And anyone who's trying to accuse me of being op four or a foreign agent, it's it's getting exhausting, Zach. I don't know how many years we've been yeah. friends, but I've been called a foreign Russian agent. I don't know how many times I've lost track. So oh, yeah. oh, I'm just yeah. here to, to clear that most of that and uh, just move forward towards the truth because that's my only incentive. Other people like Dr. Huff have uh, monetary incentives to make sure that he doesn't accidentally accuse somebody of something. You know, his book sales, his movie sales, he's got stuff to worry about. I'm just a guy who's looking for the truth. So I'm not really concerned about any backlash or who might sue me or who gets mad at me. My only mission is the truth. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with you. The the cost has been incalculable across all sectors. I mean, whether it's economically or for uh, the, uh, the the national spirit of a nation, you know, psychologically. I mean, you can basically put a metric on anything and you can take it back to pre-pandemic and uh, and it'll be inevitably higher than what it is today. Uh, certainly people have been damaged. Uh, business has been damaged. Nations have been damaged. And I, I personally am not in favor of any of this biological research. I think that it would be foolish to assume that any nation on Earth with the capabilities that you know we see here in the United States or in Ukraine or in China, uh, to imagine that any nation that has that capability is not doing this type of research and circumventing a whole host of treaties uh, and and, uh, and, and agreements that have been made uh, on the global scale. Yeah, it'd be very foolish to, to believe that anything other than that is happening. And, you know, I mean, even though I understand the incentive to develop this, this gain-of-function research to push vo- viruses forward so that they can develop vaccines for it, you know, if it worked in a perfect world, then, you know, that would be awesome. 
But I think there's an argument to be made that none of these things would exist in nature if it wasn't for the fact that they were creating them in a lab and then pushing them forward and infecting things with them. Because, I mean, it just it hasn't happened and it wouldn't happen. And especially with COVID-19, the really Frankensteinian way that it was put together, that that's obviously, you know, just science fiction until the fact mm-hmm. that they made it. Yeah. So when you look at the outcome and the net effect of what the pandemic did to the world, we really can't any objective individual decide that this is a good idea to continue to do this research, no. especially when it's it's actually not that difficult to do as to what I mean, I'm not a biologist. I don't know the actual the chemical or molecular compounds or anything that makes up these uh, these viruses. But from what I understand, it's it's not that difficult to do. And a lot of countries can't do it. So at all times, uh, all generations moving forward will be at risk of pandemics because one tiny mistake or also in order to do this research, you have to create the bioweapon, like you said, that anyone with bad intent gets their hands on this. And it's, oh, yeah. you know, they can just ru- they could ruin the whole world. Like we're we're glad that that the virus that got out or was intentionally released um, wasn't necessarily overly deadly as it pertains to percentage wise. If it was, you know. If it was uh, smallpox, we wouldn't be having the conversation right now. So, have you ever seen long, twelve, 12 monkeys? <clears throat> I have not. Oh, that's a classic about uh, a virus that is intentionally released that decimates the global population. I would highly recommend you watch it because it's uh, yeah, it's oddly prescient given the nature of the conversation. You should totally sure. check it out. Yeah, I mean, if it's anything similar to V for Vendetta. It's like the movie script we're living in right now. Yeah, yeah. Except that's, that's that was only one. that was only eighty thousand deaths, and this is seven million, mm-hmm. and nobody seems to really care. So, yep. I guess I guess eighty thousand is good enough for Hollywood, but <laughs> not good enough for uh for real life. No sir, no sir. Uh, real quick, there was a super chat over on Rumble that I missed. Uh, MX Cooper five one seven said. Hey, clandestine, I've been following you since your first exposure of the biolabs. Thank you so much for sharing your information and your insights. So thank you very much for that. Appreciate it. Uh, And then I've got nothing over here on Foxhole. So please feel free to continue. Um, I mean, we can definitely get into. Is there anything you want to get into in particular? Do you want to talk oh. about January sixth, or do you want to keep talking about biolabs? Oh, we, we, can... we can. We can definitely talk about January sixth. <clears throat> you know the I mean, uh, the here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know the the reports. Well, let me ask you this: uh, How did you initially feel when you learned that uh, Tucker Carlson was going to be getting exclusive access to roughly forty thousand hours worth of footage from January sixth, and then it wouldn't just be released to the public? Well, what was your initial thoughts? I mean, I'm really I'm open to the idea of the public being sentient and intelligent individuals that can decipher everything for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there was somebody, I'd be glad to have it. I'd glad it was Tucker yeah. because the entire angle that we've been fed is from the left. And, you know, they've obviously been trying to cover up and muddy up everything that's been going on with January 6th. Mm-hmm. And I do trust Tucker has the best intentions when it comes to finding the truth. But do I think that any journalist should have rights to it before any other? I'm not really sure. It's kind of a gray area. Um, but I'm glad that that Tucker got his hands on it and was able to show us what was actually going on because we just needed to see the video evidence for ourselves and our eyes will be able to tell us what what actually happened. No, definitely. And, you know, I, I think that Tucker Carlson was probably the if you were going to give it to a mainstream media journalist, Tucker is the guy. I mean, he's, he's got the highest guy. rated uh, program on network television. Uh, certainly more people are tuning into him than probably collectively a, a vast number of these independent podcasts that we're doing. Um, 
And it's an opportunity for the truth to be broadcast on a major news outlet like Fox, you know, even if you don't respect the rest of what they're doing. I, I think oh, yeah. that there is there is something to be said for the way that it was done, because, <clears throat> you know, Tucker was able to distill it into a, a number of individual reports last night. Uh, the Q Shaman, Jacob Chansley. Uh, I met that guy on January 6th. OK, I when I first met him, I was like, he's a little odd. Uh, he's drawn a little bit too much attention to himself, and I'm not certain if he's somebody that I want to be real close to. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we kind of met in passing, and then him ending up inside the Capitol building, I just feel like it was too perfect. It was it was a staged event from the very beginning. And now last night we get the footage showing that, well, actually, the Capitol Police escorted this man into the halls of the Capitol building, took him down to the floor of the Senate, uh, and even tried to open up unlocked doors, or excuse me, locked doors, to see if he could get into uh, other areas that he wasn't supposed to be accessing. Uh, and I think, I feel like the implications of that realization for the American public, who has been exclusively consuming mainstream media narrative storytelling on this subject from CNN or MSNBC, uh, I, I feel like that's got to be massively powerful for for those people. Yeah, for for me, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I stare. I create content for a living, and I stared at my phone for about two hours, unable to formulate any words because the the levels of realization that you're going through when you're thinking about this, like, oh wow, he was actually escorted by the police mm-hmm. to these different photo op spots. Meaning, there's a level of coordination going on here yes. that that we were talking about. We were, you know, obviously we've been labeled conspiracy theorists for six, seven, eight years now. I've lost track, but <laughs> this is, this is stuff that was considered to be absolutely kooky off the walls, put you in a straight jacket, tinfoil hat stuff that turns out was actually happening. And then when you look into the fact that Nancy Pelosi and McConnell went through all this effort to make sure there couldn't be any U S military forces, national guard for backup, it, it's starting to look a whole lot like a setup. And then when you look at it from that perspective, how many other things have they set up, you know? And then mm. we've been covering this for, for how many years, but yeah. we know that the the lengths they're willing to go to do certain things. So my question is, at what point do we all recognize as a people that this particular group of individuals are acting in a pattern of deceit and dishonesty that yes. we can no longer consider them even rational individuals that we have we have to do something? I'm not sure what that something is, and I'm don't have any perfect solutions, but the current trajectory that we're on as a country and as a society and as a world is going to end in a bad, bad way um, unless something else can happen. No, I I definitely agree with you. And, you know, from my perspective, I think that uh, the best possible scenario that we can get from all of this, I mean, people recognizing that our leaders are liars, okay? They are bullshit artists. And they have been organizing all of these various uh, situations and and these events so that they can push us into one direction or another, control our mood, our thoughts, our affectation. And the only way that we can overcome this is to organize locally uh, within our communities. Because, you know, it's often said all politics is local, okay? Uh, Politicians filter up. People begin the political process by running for city council, running for mayor, running for county commission. They get into government, they get their feet wet, uh, they get the experience that's necessary to take on larger offices. And I, I think that we can take back the nation, but it's going to require us to do it at those micro levels initially so that we can filter out to those macro positions uh, to be able to uh, successfully run against somebody like a Nancy Pelosi or to even perhaps, uh, you know, get them out of office. You know, there are so many different uh, 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 
uh, avenues that people can take that I feel like they just kind of ignore them because they think that they're 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 too big or they're too difficult. You know, what I mean, recall efforts are real. Uh, you know, we've seen them attempted in recent years, uh, but they were in some of the most corrupt areas of the nation. You know, California, obviously, Gavin Newsom owns the apparatus of power there in California. So I'm not surprised that uh, he was unable to be removed. But there are other things that are happening. I don't know if you're familiar with my friends uh, at the new California State Initiative. Uh, There is a a constitutional process that is currently underway to secede about 95 percent of the landmass of the current state of California to become a 51st state of the United States of America known as New California. It would leave three tiny little uh, very overly populated uh, uh, urban centers as the original state of California. So like Sacramento, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. They would be landlocked within the, within the boundaries of the new California state. And th- Jacob, this is the same process that gave us West Virginia, okay? And I believe North and South Carolina. This is how they did it. Uh, it is written in our constitution. There is a path to do it, and they've been working on it for the last several years. They've been able to fly kind of under the radar because, of course, the powers that be in Washington, they don't want to take it seriously. They don't want to believe that they could actually get it done. And, of course, it's a big job. California is a big place. They had to go to every county and they had to air grievances and they had to uh, get a number of people signed up and they had to get the, the popular support of the people. As soon as they send delegates to Washington, D.C. to announce their intention to apply for statehood, uh, Congress is going to have to take it up. They can't simply ignore them on this. And guess what happens when New California State becomes a state? All of those electoral votes that would have remained in the original California They all now get moved over to New California. They get their own senators. They get their own congressmen. They get their own new county commissioners. They get to elect new judges. I mean, think about what a massive power shift that's going to equate to. And the same thing is kind of happening in Oregon with the Greater Idaho Initiative. Uh, In Oregon, you've got a number of counties that have voted and agreed with the state of Idaho that they want to become part of Idaho instead of being part of Oregon because the government of Oregon is not representing their best interests. Uh, They they don't uh, they don't care about them. Uh, They look at them as, uh, you know, country voters. Uh, That's where the red districts are. And so they want to join up with Idaho. That's also going to do the same thing in in Oregon, as is happening in New California, they're going to lose electoral votes. They're going to lose positions uh, in Congress. It, I think it's a beautiful thing. And it's yeah. uh, it's very creative. And it's not the kind of thing that people often jump to. But it is possible. And I, I think that our, our founding fathers gave us a, a variety of different frameworks that we can work within to try to take back this nation and do it peacefully. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that you and I as individuals have definitely given a great example to the public that just some regular dudes can make a difference out here if you really put your mind to it. Like growing up as a kid, I never once thought for a second that I would be a politician or involved in anything big. I was just one I was just a dude who wanted to work hard and have a dog and a wife and have a house and, you know, I just trust everyone else to do their own jobs for us. And we've recognized that that's not the way the world's gonna be gonna be like moving forward. We can't trust the media. We can't trust the politicians. We can't trust big pharma. We can't trust the health industry. We can't trust the food industry. We can't really trust anybody. So we as individuals have to grow. And we have to evolve uh, to be better and understand that we do have a role to play and we can't just keep 
having this mentality of, oh, those people above us will take care of it because they've proven again and again they can't. So we've got to start to find different ways to make stuff happen. And that's a great example that you gave. I never would have thought of that. I just started getting on the internet and started putting out some angry tweets and I got popular and here we are. <laughs> over here on Rumble, Salty Zero says, when people squirm, you are over the target and they are squirming big time. Great job, clandestine, and that and thank you, Zach, for this interview. I was looking forward to it. And then talks with her eyes says, "Bio, I've been following you for a while. Legit, one of the very few with a clear-eyed perspective." Zach discovered you on BM. Is that Badlands Media? You are one of my faves. Two base dudes. Thank you very much. Talks with her eyes. I appreciate you being here. Appreciate the kind words. Ah, of course. So, um, you know, when it comes to uh, you. Personally, and uh, and and your home area, you know, I I don't want to I don't want you to dox your location or anything like that. But mm-hmm. ha- have you seen or have you heard about any initiatives in your area that would indicate that people are starting to take a more active role in uh, local politics? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that, Zach. I I do live in Virginia, and I guess I live sort of near the D.C. area, so okay. I wouldn't say that there's any level of um initiative from the people around here. I don't really interact with much of them to be quite honest i kind of just uh stay in stay on their own lane do my own business and looking to get out of here and move somewhere to a red state i guess virginia is kind of on the fence we might have a little luck west virginia is but... pretty good from what i hear <laughs> i'm looking for somewhere that doesn't take my money so i'm thinking florida florida and tennessee are hot hot button items right now florida is a great place to be i actually had somebody email me and and request request cordially that I stop telling people to move to Florida because apparently I, I single-handedly I'm increasing property values, but hey, um, I wouldn't doubt it. So uh, it's actually uh, not that bad of a time to buy right now. I mean, uh, considering the housing boom that we had in the last two years or so prices have started to go down. I mean, I, I've, I've continued to take a look at the housing prices just to, I want to know, you know, what my house is worth and I want to see what houses in the area are selling for. And I've noticed, uh, you know, almost across the board, you're, you're looking at five, 10, 20, $30,000 that people are shaving off of houses. Um, hmm. b- because in many of these instances, they just built out neighborhoods, just assuming that people were going to be moving here. And uh, the price has got to be just, you know, way too expensive and people are in- unable to afford it. So, um, I, you know, I, I live on the on the east coast of Florida, and I would love to have some property like maybe a little bit further south in central Florida, a little bit more tropical, because if I could do anything that uh, my heart desired, it would be to uh, put in like a, a food forest. OK, just like, you know, a completely self-sustaining forest of fruiting trees and uh, and just be able to go there and, and pick my own my own food, my own food and be totally self-sufficient. That would Amen. be amazing. That's top of my list, too. If I could have it my way, if I get a billion dollars from Elon for saving the world, <laughs> first thing I'm doing is building a compound off the everything, and I'm self-sustaining my life without the government being involved. Sounds a little bit like Waco, but it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> just no cult. No cult. Just, yeah, just no, just no cult. Just me and the dogs. That's really all I want. I don't want any of you guys to bother me. I just want to sit on the lake and, and pick pick my food. So I feel you on that. That would be beautiful. Absolutely. Um, over here on the foxhole, our four cents. Thank you very much for the cookie. Boise Blanc dropped a cookie. M the painter said greater Idaho. Yes, greater Idaho. And Donna Bo Libby, thank you very much for the cookie. Appreciate that as well. All right. Um, so uh, uh, in, in terms of the Ukrainian lab leak origination theory, are, are you seeing uh, any more 
conversations about that? I mean, I know that you have uh, a, a lot of uh, private conversations with people in the conservative sphere, and I'm just wondering uh, how people have been receptive to this since it started to come out, because it's a pretty big shift. Yeah, so I've definitely been in contact with quite a few big names. Um, I'm probably going to keep most of them private, so I don't want to put, you know, I don't I be name dropping these any stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, but definitely some big, some big, big names that you might be surprised that I've been talking to. They're all on board with the fact that there's such a huge cover-up pertaining to the biolabs in Ukraine, but there's this such this connotation around agreeing with anything Russia says. Sure, that of course. People are still very, very, very hesitant. Like, for example, Trump has never even mentioned any of this ever once. Like, you and I talked about that, I don't know how many years ago, uh, that Trump doesn't seem to be interested in talking about this. He's probably maintaining his distance for a good reason, but there might be other reasons we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, everyone sees all the facts, sees the level of deceit, dishonesty by the media and by the deep state to cover it up, indicating that there's obviously something to hide there. Uh, so a lot of those bigger names are kind of just waiting for more facts to come out before they feel that they have the freedom and the security to go out and make these assertions that I've made to agree with me. Um, since they have more to lose, I don't really have anything to lose. So I'm just I'm just winging it. That's why, you know, that's why people follow me, man, is because I don't. Yeah, I don't prescribe these rules everybody else does you just full send all the way let's save the world let's do it um so with time i think a lot more people are going to be jumping on board but that one thread that i did that did like 13 million views got shared by general flynn it's Ooh, wow. it's it, yeah it did 13 million views the one that i did about obama starting uh nun luger 2005 that made the rounds like that's that's like twitter files like bigger than twitter files like it's it made the rounds, so we definitely made some ground in regards to waking people up about the biolabs. You know what? I was really surprised <clears throat> because, I mean, that non-Luger stuff, I mean, that's verifiable. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's not even like, yeah. you know, like new info. Like, I mean, this we're talking like, you know, uh, over a decade ago. <clears throat> it's something you can find if you go and look for it. And you had people that were accusing you of putting out photoshopped images of Obama in Ukraine. And, you know, when I see stuff like I'm like, you know, that's just like too dumb, like just so idiotic, like very simply, this person could have went and did a little bit of fact checking and figured it out. So I have to believe that uh, those types of trolls in that thread uh, are probably not interested in getting to the truth. I mean, maybe they're they're even some type of organized effort to uh, to throw shade on this. Like uh, there is this. uh, I think it's called NAFO, something, something to do. Hold on a second. Oh, do you know what I'm talking the, about? The, the NAFO about fellas? The the army of like the Doge Ukrainian. Yes. Yeah. I, they put out an article about it a long time ago. They're like, these super cool internet trolls are making memes and causing problems. Like the exact same thing the Q people did. They said they were domestic terrorists. Yep. Now these NAFO people are doing it. But yeah, I just see any Doge Ukrainian flag person. I just block them right away because they've never once presented an argument. They've just come in and, and said, er, how much did Russia pay you? You know, like, come on, yes. what, are we, what are we doing? You know, my question is, how much is Ukraine paying you? I mean, how how much money are you making off of the backs of American taxpayer dollars? Because that's where all of this is being funded from. And uh, and they have uh, they're they are organizing specifically to shut down conservative voices online that would question anything 
regarding the official story of the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, and they've been successful. They have gotten some people deleted. They have gotten some tweets get uh, taken down. Uh, at other times, they're not as successful. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, these outrage brigades that show up on Twitter or on YouTube or any social media platform, if you have 10,000 people that all complain about the exact same thing, nine times out of 10, that platform is just going to delete it because they don't want to hassle with it. You know, yeah, yeah. so it's a real problem. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They and it's not just the the platform taking things down. This is how they manipulate algorithms to get different viewpoints in check and push their agendas as opposed to other agendas. And that used to be much worse before Elon came along. But he's really done a great job of m- negating and mitigating a lot of this uh, algorithm manipulation that was going on. And these bot farms just come in and they they all like one lie that's spread by a deep state actor. Mm-hmm. And then the more likes, the more retweets. Next thing you know, it's got 10,000 likes, 3 million people have seen it, and those 3 million people might believe it, and they're just believing a bold-faced lie all because certain people with access to these bots are able to manipulate that tweet and the algorithms by just giving all this attention, all these likes to it. And it's it's a dangerous and Orwellian and disturbing way to think that how much of the information that people read on the internet is not true. And obviously we've seen that based on us being correct about a lot of things and the media being wrong, that a lot of the wrong things are being promoted and a lot of the truth is being censored and discriminated against. So it's not, I'm not it, sure how this goes. It's a scary okay. proposition because we were literally, literally inundated with information from all sides, 24 hours a day, coming from every which direction we can possibly imagine. And probably the vast majority of it is massaged or uh, manipulated in some way, like very few times in, in the course of your day on social media are you going to get unadulterated facts that are given to you. You know, there is a sophisticated disinformation operation taking place on every single social media platform, uh, probably a, a variety of different bad actors. I mean, I, you know, I just off the top of my head, I mean, I think that uh, I saw somebody suggest that a lot of those NAFO accounts were based out of Langley, which <laughs> to me indicates that it's a CIA operation, yeah. uh, you know, and who else would have a vested interest in uh, the continuing continuance of money funneling into Ukraine, but the CIA, they've been operating there for decades now. Um, I also heard the other day that uh, United States is now staging troops in Poland, uh, which is kind of a scary thing because, you know, although we we may not uh, think that it's all that likely that the United States and Russia are going to be faced with full-scale conflict, you know, I think that we have to keep open the possibility that uh, a, a single bad actor with access to military hardware and capability and boots on the ground could very easily start an international incident if they just wanted to be a little bit of a cowboy. Yeah, any rogue individual could do something, well, you know, to send missiles, there's a lot of issues and different layers and channels of command they have to go through. But you're right, anybody in a high-level position could manage to make something happen that sets off a chain of events. Next thing you know, you and I are toast underneath a nuclear bomb, and I'm not really too much of a fan of that idea. I have a lot of things I'd like to do before I die, and I've spent the last six years in Orwellian dystopia, so I kind of would like to end that sooner than later. Um, But yeah, the the entire conflict in, in Ukraine is based over over what? We're protecting deep state assets. Mm-hmm. We have nothing to do with Ukraine. So I think I speak for every American when I say that we don't want our money to go there. I can obviously beat this dead horse into an oblivion, but none of us want anything to do with World War Three 
especially because it's not like Russia's on our doorstep. They're they're in Ukraine trying to get, according to Russia, these biolabs and and the prevalence of actual real Nazis in Ukraine, which we've somehow – I still don't know how we haven't addressed this in the mainstream media. The left have just like kind of skirted around this whole thing, and it just – I don't understand how we've still able to maintain this veil that – you know, it's it's good to see that a lot of people are waking up, and especially with this whole January sixth thing, I think it's going to progress even more. And we've started to hit this kind of avalanche type situation where all the truth is starting to slowly pour out. But World War Three overprotecting Joe Biden's assets in Ukraine is not on the agenda of most of the American people, and the people who do believe in it, they're just regurgitating what they hear on the TV, and they don't really have the slightest sense or idea what's going on in Ukraine. No, not at all. <clears throat> you know what I'm really, really hoping for is that uh, when Russia puts forward their report on the uh, sabotage at the Nord Stream pipelines, uh, that they will continue with their uh, uh, kind of chain of events. I mean, we got to talk about the Crimean Bridge. I, I tend to think that that was a, a U.S. deep state operation as well. Um, you know, and then, of course, the biolabs have got to come into that. Uh, there has got to be treasure troves of information that Russia is holding on to that we have yet to see uh, that could potentially blow the lid off of this entire thing. Because, I mean, the real question is, you know, how how many moves are they going to be able to make against Russia uh, and Russia to just, you know, not retaliate in a, in a wartime stance in the way that they honestly have all the right in the world to do. How many times can that happen before the international community has to say, okay, guys, okay, it, it's obvious. We see what you're doing here now. And Russia has yeah. all of the information. Yeah, that's the thing is the entire international community is run by the deep state via the U.S. So like we can't get anything done at the U.N. because the, the checks and balances that are in place, we can't get anything done via the U.K. or France or the United States. They're in the you know main five power seats and they just veto anything that comes their way. So we can't get anything done diplomatically. So now Russia and China are in, in this situation where like we're pissed off the United States for this whole COVID thing. What course of action, what what recourse do they have in order to hold the United States accountable? And it's starting to look like war might be the only possible option. But, you know, here comes Trump center or I guess stage left coming right on in. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of what really we're hoping for. But is that really the plan? For the American people is wait another two years for Trump to show up and hopefully we don't go into World War Three between now and then. I mean, I don't have any better solutions for us, but. One would hope that that's not the plan, but we'll see, Zach. I'm not entirely sure. You know, I, I got a lot of hope in the uh, in the new Republican House. I think that the investigations that they're working on in these new committees, uh, they, they have the potential to uh, expand the consciousness of, of the average American to a, a much greater degree than it has been so far. You made a point earlier about kind of uh, that consciousness expansion that's been happening. And I, I do think it's accelerating. You know, I, I think that it's it, it's become more and more obvious. You know, we, we take a look at public opinion polls by and which by and large they're they're pretty much garbage most of the time but you know we're looking at like uh, uh 60% of the nation thinks that you know the the narrative around January 6th isn't what they told us i would imagine after last night's reports that's going to be even higher uh and uh, you know the same with uh, with election fraud i mean people recognize that the election system we have here in the united states is horribly broken and, and it can't continue in its current form, I think that the uh, the news of uh, of a number of states pulling out of uh, the Eric voter registration system is huge news. You know, they might not be states that were real big on uh, obvious voter fraud, 
But heck, I mean, any place in America where we can get rid of this fairly sophisticated operation, which allows whoever is in control of it to uh, totally stack the vote in whatever way they want, because they know exactly who voted, when they voted, if they're going to vote and uh, and how they voted. You know, it, it allows them to steal the election. So we got to get rid of it. And this is one thing that I think a lot of people can do. If Eric is active in your state, you've got to put the pressure on your elected representatives. You've got to let them know that we cannot suffer through this again. We have to have the free and fair election. It's the foundation of our republic. Without it, everything is lost, and we can't trust the leaders that we have currently. Yeah, we just had three elections in a row at which Trump claims there was election fraud going on, and we still haven't addressed it. So as in the, the American public, I don't know how we're going to get them motivated. Obviously, there's not a lot of time between now and 2024 election, but as an individual, I don't understand how I can be expected to be excited about voting in 2024 when all the evidence from the party that I vote for says that the elections are rigged. So a lot of things need to happen between now and then if we're going to get anything done. And like you said, there are ways you can go about it at the local level and as you as an individual can make things happen. But from the you know 40,000 foot view, I unless there are some major sweeping changes that change the way that we understand elections, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence rolling into 2024. And if the world really is on the brink of destruction with World War III like we're kind of seeing, I don't necessarily know if a general election is the way to go about handling this situation. There might be have to be you know, some higher forces involved, and yes, I am suggesting military forces be involved, but that's why we have the laws written for situations like this. If, if national security really is a threat, which it is, then what are we waiting for? So yeah. at this point, <clears throat> it, it, the good guys win or the bad guys win. And that's that's really what it comes down to. You know, I I my, my philosophy is wake up every day as if it's the last day that I have on earth and I need to get as much done as I possibly can and I need to be of service to mankind and uh and put everything I have into trying to wake people up. And you know, I think that if, if people can look at it like that with a sense of urgency, you know, I mean, not thinking, oh, you know, well, we won't be able to fix anything until 2024. That's a long way off. I can just putz around and just, you know, expect that other people are going to do the hard work. We can't do that. You know, I mean, it, it, we've got to be laser focused every single day and, uh, and, you know, not just sharing memes online and not just, you know, getting uh, uh, smart with people on Twitter. You know, we, we've got to be able to parlay everything that we've learned and all of the, the skills that we've developed over the last couple of years into a, a, a real demonstrable uh, effort that we can point to and that we can use to help bring other people into this movement um, because complacency is going to kill us. And, you know, as 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 much as I believe in the movement that we have been fighting in and that we've started all these years ago, you know, I, I don't ever want to believe that it's in the bag. I have to believe that it's only going to be because I want it so bad that it's going to happen. And I hope everybody else wants it as badly, too. Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely want to clarify my statements. I'm not saying that just because, you know, there's two possible outcomes that you can't keep fighting oh, every day. Of course. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Everybody's got to keep up, you know, like I, I just shared a, a, a clip from uh, stormtroopers or what is it? Super troopers. I forget. Super troopers. Super troopers. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, I'm doing my part. Like, leg, like I know it's just a funny meme, but like legit, even if you're not someone on the internet, who's doing their part out here, sharing stories and doing research, you can do your part as an individual by just educating yourself and being knowledgeable enough that when you get in these situations in the real world, mm -hmm. when you're met with somebody who's saying some bullshit, you can counter them and saying, Hey, like, no, I have the facts here to s suggest that what you're saying is not true. 
why are you out here spewing the narrative when I have all the information to counter it? So it's not just about being somebody that's on Twitter or somebody famous on Fox News. You can do your part as an individual and educating yourself and those around you and leading by example. You don't even necessarily have to say these things to other people. Just just being yourself and maintaining this aura of not agreeing with the mainstream narrative mm-hmm. will give other people the courage and the, and the strength to be like, hey, that guy or that girl over there doesn't seem to believe what's going on around here. Maybe these thoughts that I'm having, maybe I can look into you know disagreeing with what other people are saying. So a lot of go. things can can be accomplished by any individuals, regardless of what kind of capabilities or or uh, facilities you have. Absolutely, and you know, and I, I I am positive that every single person watching here tonight has more skill in their little pinky than most of those dolts out there on the left have in their entire body. We just got to find a way to put it to work. And uh, I, again, I'm just going to continue to hammer this point. You know, get involved locally. There are so many different methodologies that you can use to uh, start taking back your nation. And uh, you just have to go out there and find it. You got to go out there and seek it. And I know that research is a lot harder nowadays. Jacob, let me ask you this. What is your process for drilling down on finding information? You know, I mean, as we know, search engines have become a lot more constrained in recent years. Um, You know, I've got like four or five search engines that I will go through and I will search for the same thing in each of them. And I will try to compare and contrast to see what's being found. Um, I find that I have uh, the most luck when I can actually go to a a site that is just uh, listing primary sources, not necessarily reporting on a story, because almost nine times out of 10, if if you're only being given search results that are from the mainstream media, it's all going to be BS. Yeah. So I only really read mainstream media articles just to kind of I research humans and psychology and and how different echo chambers and different levels of the left and right and center and everywhere in between all the information. I, I I'm all day long. I'm obtaining all this information from all these different echo chambers. So I'm seeing how all these different echo chambers behave, what they believe, what they're reading, where they're getting their information. And then I analyze all the information that all of them are taking in. And then I do my own research after that. So I, I get a baseline understanding of what the general public and the different sides of the political spectrum believe. And then I go from there. And most of the time, I'm really just kind of using Twitter. So I'm just mm-hmm. looking on Twitter. I'll go in the Twitter search and I can search by keyword, by date or by individual in their keywords and dates. And I can find all this inform- information that lead me different links. Um but when it comes to actually making a difference, I kind of just stumbled right into the whole Biolabs thing. I didn't really know what I was digging into at the time when I when I was tweeting about it. I just found this information, thought it was interesting. And the enemy will be the ones that tell you whenever you found something of significance because they'll attack you mm-hmm. uh, foaming at the mouth. So the, the only reason why I'm in the position I am today is because the enemy exposed themselves whenever I was, you know, Zach, I'm just a dude right, right. here on the Internet. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> so it, they'll tell you. If, if you're onto something and, and, and what you're getting at makes an impact on them, they will let you know by their actions. They they were scared as all get out over the biolab stuff and just bent over backwards to try to discredit it in any way that they could. And, you know, also we're seeing the same thing with the response to Tucker Carlson's report from last night about January 6th. You know, I saw some BS from Joe Walsh out there. That guy is such a D-bag. So many different mainstream media people uh, talking about how, oh, you know, Tucker Carlson is rewriting history. This is a threat to democracy. He's not rewriting anything. He's giving us context that was uh, conveniently cut out of the original footage that was put out there by the January 6th committee and by so many of these other mainstream media journalists. Uh, I, I feel that, 
we are on the cusp of something great with this information coming out. And this has been their ultimate fear, I think, because as soon as people truly understand what happened, if you see more than just the five to 10 minutes of the most violent aspects of January 6th, and you look at it in its entirety, you're like, oh my God, it really was a mostly peaceful protest. It was just a group of people who gathered because they wanted to redress grievances with their government. And they had every right to do so anyways any thoughts on that yeah and and then when they got there there was fbi informants and and plants obviously via the the q shaman guy that was taking all these different photo off spots that there was a clear ongoing operation in order to manipulate and or incite violence from that crowd so it, when we get in these situations of, of the level of complexity and, and and cooperation and coordination by the government to enact these sort of events upon the people it's 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 terrifying but like you said, the the general public are being more aware as to what's going on here, and they're starting to recognize that these sort of things don't just happen once and every now and then. It's it's the general way that the government goes about their business, um, and things are they're they're abruptly coming to a halt via mass uh, public awakening. Absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's all I've got for you, man. I, I don't have any other subjects that I wanted to make sure we covered. Um, if you've got any further questions or comments that you wanted to uh, to have me bring up with uh, bioclandestine here, you just go ahead and let me know, um, and that should pour through here in just a second. I want to see if there's anything in the chat that um, two two two. Somebody wants to know why doesn't clandestine face the camera? I would assume that it's the setup of <laughs> of your desk. I mean, it's not that deep. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you this. This is just part of this is my uh, this is this is my process. I you know it's fine. I, I think that it, it adds a little bit of depth to it. You know, I mean, it makes it more interesting. So, uh, so okay, so I've got a I've got a big desk here. I've got my main monitor right here that I have me and you on. I have another big monitor over here and then another big monitor over here. And then I have my camera on like a desk mounted arm that goes up just above my monitor so that, you know, I can look at the camera and it feels like I'm looking right at you. And it, it I don't know, it, it adds a little bit of something to the connection with the audience. I think that's just me. That's like my armchair psychology. If, if you must know, I'm trying to hide my fridge. So I, 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 I'm on the corner of my desk. So I, I just want the good little background set up over here. So I'm sitting on the corner of my desk so I can't actually moves straight onto it so i just kind of give you a little real real side action real rental fiance just said deep state sitting at his desk (laughs) jacob confirmed deep state i know that's not what you meant out there but i just thought that's great that's hilarious that's it you guys called me i'm a psyop doesn't sit straight okay uh let me check over here on foxhole just to see if there's anything i missed Oh, I'm not seeing anything. Okay. All right. So I think we're good, guys. I, I think I think we're all good. I want to thank you, as always, for being here with me, Jacob. Anything final that you want to make sure the audience is aware of before we sign off for the night? Uh, man, I just am just super proud of everybody that's been in the movement, doing everything they can to make things happen. Keep pushing the truth. We've been discriminated against and and persecuted a lot of it based on january 6th but moving forward i think things are going to change and everybody's maintain in your resolve and keep searching for the truth and we're going to keep winning so Amen. i want to thank you for having me as always and anytime you want me to come back on you know i'm just one one text away right on brother uh yorko seven says zach clandestine sounds like joe m Maybe, maybe a little bit. Joe M has a uh, when I, it's been a long time since I've heard Joe's voice. I'll be really honest with you, but he had a certain 
tenor to his voice that was like a filter that went over it. So I don't know if he was like obscuring it in some way, but maybe I I can see, I can see where you guys are coming from. All right. And uh, yeah, then people are just saying, Hey, you know, uh, thanks for being here. Clandestine really appreciate it. Uh, Jack, the restorer, what's your take on illegal immigrants being able to vote? Well, I think it's bullshit. (laughs) It's illegal. It shouldn't be happening. I don't like it. (laughs) Does it? Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, no. I mean, it makes perfect sense if you're trying to steal the election. Okay, there you know, you <laughs> if 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 you are the deep state apparatus that is controlling the elections currently in the United States, and you recognize that some of your best tips and tricks are going to be pulled away from you very soon, like let's say down here in Florida, we cleaned up the voter rolls. Uh, there is more work that can be done. Uh, Judicial Watch working in a number of different states all across the nation. Obviously, people pulling out of the ERIC agreement. I hope that ERIC goes the way of the dodo and they will no longer have the ability to use that voter registration list. If, if they're going to lose some of these uh, various options, I mean, why not stack the deck and, and give illegals the ability to vote? Um, if you live in an area where your local government or your state government is going to give illegals the right to vote, I would make as big of a stink as you possibly can, because that is just fundamentally outside of the bounds of not only what's good and decent, but what's legal. I mean, it's just, it's nobody else can go to any nation on earth. I can't just show up in Canada. I can't just show up in Peru or Brazil and say, hey, guess what, guys? Uh, I, I know I'm not a citizen here, but I would really like to vote in your next presidential election because I like this guy. My money's on that guy. <laughs> I'd like to impact the way that you all live your lives, if you don't mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, yeah, thank you again for being here. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Yep. So you can find me on Twitter at War Clandestine. You can find me on Telegram at BioClandestine. You can find me on True Social at Clandestine. And then you can find my Substack at BioClandestine.substack.com. I know I haven't been writing a lot. I've been kind of focusing all my inf- information towards Twitter, trying to wake up that new echo chamber. Yes. But moving forward, we're going to get back to the regular schedule. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Thank you, as always, for being here. Thank you to you in the audience for hanging out with us. I'll be back tomorrow at 6 p.m. for another episode of Red Pill News Live. And then tomorrow night at 9 p.m., I'll be on with Brad on Badlands Media for the episode of Altered State for then. And then otherwise, my rest of the week is the uh, normal schedule. So until next time, thank you again for being here. Good luck and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Please do me a favor, hit that like button. On your way out the door, we've got 
2,200 people over there on Rumble and only 493 likes. Come on, help me get to help me get a little bit more on these likes. So let's at least get a 50% like to view ratio. And, you know, we're going to have uh, many more people that watch this throughout the day. So if you're here, you're watching, it's not live, please do me a favor. Hit that like button. It really, really helps out the program. Thank you very much for following Red Pill 78 and uh, follow all of my friends as well.